0: But it's really, really great to have you here this uh, Sunday with us. We are so excited to dive into the Word together. So, if you've got your Bibles at home, open up to Acts Chapter five. Come on. Just some uh, context to Ex. Chapter to the, the series very quickly. Flip the script. We've, what we've been endeavoring to do, we felt courage in our hearts to relook at the narrative that the world, that the year, that our relationships, that our finances have uh, seemingly served up to us of, of something of a forlorn nature and just a status quo and let's just try and keep our heads above water. But we are saying, we've seen in the book of Acts, a group of people, the disciples, the early church, from the beginning of Acts, they move from hiding and fearful to in Acts chapter 17, near the end of end tale of that, of that book being a people who have said about them that they had turned the world upside down. And we're going, actually, there's something of that. And we believe that the Holy Spirit is inviting us, the game changer, is inviting us into that sort of narrative, a flipping the script narrative, where we can say no thank you to what 2021 might suggest. And we want to say, would you again lean in? Because I believe today is a flip the script kind of day. And we are really excited. So the title of my sermon today is It's a Big Deal. It's Sunday the 14th. You're a church online. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. This is no small thing. This is not a usual thing. This is a faith thing. And I want to say, well done, Life Changes Church. Well done, friends and family. It's a yeah. big deal. Awesome. Because in our world, I think it's uh, become casual to say things like, it's not a big deal. And, and at some level, it's a good thing. South Africans, I love the way we are, uh, we are robust people. You know, ESCOM can come, and no matter what stage of load shedding they may sp- uh, just throw in our laps, we don't know where it's coming from, one, two, three, four, five. We're like, it's, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. You know, we've got our torches now. We've got our candles. We've got our generators. Yeah, we can see in the dark. We've got accustomed to that. We've even got our Netflix shows downloaded just in case we don't have access to the Wi-Fi. It's not a big deal. But I, but I want to say today that there are some things, that's awesome, that, that sort of robust nature is wonderful, but there are some things that if we are going to see a flip the script reality in our lives, if we're going to flip the script on the enemy's narrative, what's going on in your heart and soul and mind, and for us as the church, going to flip the script on what the world says is, is okay, yeah. I really believe that there are two things that have to be big deals for you and I. So it's a big deal. Why don't you write that in the comment section right now? Why don't you lean and get your notes? Because we want to dive right in this. Father, I thank you for your word. Come and change our hearts. Change us forever, Jesus. May we see you. May we love you. May we fear you as our one and only king. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's a big deal. Right. Right, 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 right. So the first point today is sin is a big deal. Two things, two things that you need to know that are big deals for us to be able to flip the script in our lives. Number one, sin is a big deal. Yeah. Let me give you context of Acts chapter 5, why it seems a bit of a, a, a strange one to preach on Valentine's Day. Is Acts chapter 5, uh, it's the sort of scripture that you, I want to sidestep it, if I'm honest. I want to explain it away. I want to soften it. or But I, or I could just let the text speak. Mm. And that's what we want to do. Let what the Bible says. We are a Bible-believing people. Yeah. And at the context of Acts 5 is revivals breaking out. The early church, as Mark has preached so beautifully last week about a dangerous response to a dangerous situation, and, yeah. and we see this revival, generosity. Barnabas is selling a field and giving the money away so that the church can advance and, and serve the needs of the people. And on the back of that euphoria and excitement, there come this couple called Ananias and Sapphira. And, and what they do on the, on the surface level is they, they follow Barnabas' lead and they sell property. And they come into the, the, the apostles' uh, gathering, and they say, we have sold this property. We, we want to give you all the money. But in their hearts, he and his wife, Ananias and Sapphira, said, no, we're going to give some of it. We want it to appear that we're giving everything, but we're holding some back for ourselves. And on the basis of that, Peter says, Satan has so filled your heart. And he says, actually, in this moment, this is not what God wants. And, and Ananias drops down dead. Yeah, it happens. This is the Bible. Welcome to church happy Valentine's Day. Ananias, di- Ananias dies there. Boy. Next thing comes, his wife walks in and they say, tell us what happened. She goes, she not, doesn't even know that Ananias is dead yet. And she says, no, we sold the f- uh, some property and we gave all the money. And Peter says, your husband's feet aren't even out the door. You too. Boom. She dies. Yeah. It's one of those tough texts to deal with. And she, she dies and she's dragged out. And you're trying to read this, you're going, is this some obscure text in the Old Testament? No. This is New Covenant, Acts, the Bible, New Testament speaking plainly. And I want to say that sin in our culture is not a popular thing. We don't like talking about sin. In our culture, in our, in our world culture that we live in, in this, this two, the year 2021, we have these phrases of, hey, that's my truth and your truth. Mm. And don't touch it. You know, and, and truth is relative. You know, it's, 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 out, it's out there. It's a gray area. Don't, don't impose what you think is the truth on me. But let's go closer to home. Sin in the church has become a bit of an unpopular word. You know, as preachers around the world will use euphemisms to soften its blow. They'll say things like your mistakes, your mess-ups, your, your, your problems, you know, but they won't want to use the word S-I-N, sin, because they don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. Good news, I love making you feel uncomfortable. <laughs> but I really believe it because it's actually something, It's our future is held in this narrative because the Bible in Proverbs 8 verse 13 says this, the fear of the Lord yeah. is the hatred of evil. Yeah. The hatred of evil. Now, before you run off on that narrative, I want to tell you that understanding of hatred of evil is not hating the evil that's out there. Those sinners, that wicked person, that wicked uh, politician, that, that terrible uh, law they've put in place. No, the fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil in here. It starts here, yeah. in ho- at our home, inside our hearts, the vile pride, the lust, the anger, the greed, the selfishness that takes root in our hearts. And I want to tell you about sin today. Sin is a big deal. I wish I could lessen it, but I want to tell you plainly, sir, ma'am, wherever you are watching from today, sin is a big deal. Why? Because it will take you much further than you want it to go. I I grew up in Durban, and uh, for six years, after moving from the bar, we, we loved Durban, holidays on the beach. It was the best thing in the world. And then what would happen was that my, we would go visit my brothers in Joburg, because they lived in Joburg. So holiday would come, and uh, my parents say, no, we're leaving the beach, and we're going to Joburg. It does not make sense. That does not make sense. I don't understand the reality. I don't understand that narrative. And I would protest that, please, let's stay here. This, no one wants to go to Joburg for a holiday. Yeah. Apologies if you're watching from Joburg. We love you. <laughs> But we'd get in the car and I there forlorn, the red-headed teenager in the back, sulking, moaning, going up the N3 towards Joburg. And then we'll see the sign saying N2 Cape Town. I'm like, mom and dad, Cape Town, Table Mountain. Let's go, it'll be awesome. But then before we knew it, we'll pass that one. I was like, oh. Then we'll see the N1, Bloom. I'm like, Blum, Joburg, Bloom, Bloom, we'll take Bloom. They've got a waterfront there. It's awesome. Mimosa Mall, let's go. But before we knew it, we'll pass that off-ramp. And if you know the Joburg highways, all of a sudden, for us Durban kids, the two-lane road becomes three, four, five, six, and all of a sudden there's cars going 160 k's an hour past you. You don't know how this happened. The off-ramp, you're missing it quickly. And where, where's that off-ramp? And you're trying to follow the map book in those days. And before you know it, it says, Benoni's gone, 20 k's, 10 k's. 10 ks. You're in Joburg. There's no turning back. You missed the off-ramp. You're in Joburg. <laughs> Sin will take you much further than you wanted to go. I want to tell you this, that the Bible says this way. And stick with me, and it says it plainly in the book of Romans, the wages of sin is death. It doesn't say the wages of sin is discomfort, hardship, trials, no, it says death. I'm not equating Jobic to death, you can stick with me. But in seriousness, I want to say today, maybe today for somebody here, somebody watching online, today is your off-ramp. Don't let it just go by. Today is your off-ramp. It'll take you much further than you wanted to go, it'll also cost you more than you wanted to pay. Sin is a big deal. It'll cost you more than you wanted to pay. You see, I say this often to my own heart for many years. That small lions are incredibly cute. You go to a petting zoo, and small lions are beautiful, and they nip at you, and it's fun. To, oh, their it'll it'll claws are a bit sharp, cute. But here's some deep theology: small lions become big lions, yeah. and big lions eat people. That again? That's deep theology right there. Write that yeah. down. Small lions become big lions, yeah. and big lions eat people. Yeah. Maybe I can say it in a more biblical way. Genesis chapter 1, 2, 3 begins in a garden. Beautiful. But because of one sin, one seemingly insignificant small sin where one person decided to take a fruit instead of settling for what God had, but in that moment set in motion, a ball that ran in a different direction we ever thought was possible. What started in a garden, 50 chapters later, the last few lines of Genesis uh, chapter 50 is they buried Joseph and, and put him in a coffin. What started in a garden ends in a coffin. This is how quick sin can take a life of its own when we don't understand its power. And I want to say this bluntly from the text, Acts chapter 5. Your sin is killing you. Your sin is killing you. John Owen, a Puritan preacher, said this, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Psalm 32, the psalmist writes this, he says, Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and whose, in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through, through my groaning all day long. The psalm is saying with his unconfessed sin, his bones inside start to waste away inside of him. And maybe you might not see that yet, or maybe you feel that, that that sin that you have been tolerating, hiding, pushing away, trying to ignore, but it's wasting away your bones. You're wondering why you're so tired, exhausted, weary. Your sin is killing you. You see, I want to tell you, unconfessed, unrepentant sin, sin that is nurtured, excused, and tolerated, and never confronted is destroying you And your family. Let me say this way. The shadow of your sin affects more people than you know. Maybe you think, no, this is my private battle. Present, right now, and future. Maybe you're not married yet. Maybe you don't have children yet. What you you sow, you reap. I wish I could say it, dress it up more in a different, more palatable way. Cloak it up. But it would be unloving to do so. Because I want to tell you, the shadow of your sin affects more people than you know. And here's the line, you can choose your sin, but you can't choose its consequences. You can choose from the menu what you want to do, but you can't choose the consequences of that sin. And I want to say it this way, stop excusing it as it's just me. It's just my personality. It's just my weakness. It's just what everyone does. Today I speak so clearly, maybe it's just to one person today, but I believe it's for many Confess it, delete it, yeah. end it, yeah. bring it into the light. Yeah. Yeah. Today is your day because Genesis chapter 4 says it this way, sin is crouching at your door and is eager to control you. But I believe that as we understand that sin is a big deal, not just push it aside, but confront it head on. We can flip the script on what yeah. the enemy has yeah. planned. We can flip the script today. That narrative that has been yours for years, secretly or publicly, the narrative yeah. of alcoholism, of porn addicts, of, 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 of brokenness, of anger, yeah. of flying off the handle of greed, of, of stealing money, that, oh, that, that, that pride that's been in your heart, that racism in your heart, that narrative that defined you can be flipped in a moment yeah. when you yeah. recognize that sin yeah. is a big deal. It's not a small thing. Yeah. The enemy wants to keep you small. He wants to keep you in shame. He wants to keep you in submission to sin, dragging you around. But we have to acknowledge, flip the script. Sin is a big deal. Thank goodness that's not the end of my preach. Mm -hmm. Point two is that Jesus is a bigger deal. I love this text. Verse 11 of Acts chapter 5, Ananias is gone. Sapphira is gone. It's hectic. It says, verse 11, great fear gripped the church. And everyone else who heard what happened. Great fear gripped the church. Now, that word there, fear, is not a fear of being caught out. It's not a fear of being found out. It's not a fear about what would people think of me if they knew X, Y, Z. No, no. That great fear is a fear of the Lord. The Lord. And you know what was on the back of the response of that great fear? If you keep reading, it's just this incredible narrative. This, uh, This incredible story. It says, Great fear gripped the church. Verse 12 onwards, it feels like the, f- the script has been flipped. In that moment, as, as, as sin is a big deal and the people of God respond to it, we see that miracles and salvations in a fresh way break out in a massive wave. Wow. Incredible wave. So much so that says they bought, the, the crowds bought their. Um, they brought the, the sick and the lame and the, the people who are struggling for health and they put them all on the, on the outsides of their homes. So Peter, they said, so just even at least Peter would walk past and his shadow would fall on them and they would get healed. Yeah. Yeah. What? This is unbelievable. Yeah. I want to say this moment, the shadow of your shame can become the shadow of his righteousness. Oh, wow. The shadow of your sin yeah. can become the shadow of his anointing. This is huge because on the surface, I don't know about you, but if I think about Peter, we've preached about him again and again. As I look at Peter, his sin that he did at Gethsemane seems much more egregious than Ananias and Sapphira on the surface level. Peter looked at Jesus and said, I do not know him. They just fudged the numbers. On, That's what I see, yeah. if I'm honest. But here's the understanding for you and I. It's not the enormity of our sin, but rather our response to it. The Bible in the book of Hebrews says, Today, if you hear my voice, today, and I want to say to you right now, we're in your homes, in your lounges, in your pajamas, in your smart clothes, wherever you're going, today, if you hear his voice, do not, do not harden your heart. Don't just steal off and say, that's not for me. You don't say, it's not a big deal. It's a big deal. Yeah. You see, this is huge because that word shadow there about Peter, that, that word appears three times in the New Testament. That first word time it appears it's in Luke 1, when the angel appears to Mary, a Mary who's disqualified, should not have any participation with the gospel because of where uh, she is in society and her age and her, her barren nature. She's a virgin. But the angel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and overshadow you. Yeah. That word, they overshadow you. And my life, my, the undeserved life of Jesus will find its resting place in you. Oh, the next time it appears in Acts chapter 1 says the church who are, who are scared and don't know what to do and they're waiting for some instructions. They're feeling weak, anemic. How are we going to move this thing forward? There's just a few of us. There's many of them. How are we going to, Jesus is on his way out. And he says, wait for the Holy Spirit and he will come upon you. He will overshadow you and fill you and give you power. Yeah. Overshadow you. And then we find again in Peter's story saying that the shadow, now employed in Acts 5, his shadow that as he walks, the righteousness of God, the shadow of his righteousness, of Christ's righteousness and righteous anointing becomes the dominating factor in his life. I want to tell you that the fear of man can become the fear of the Lord. This is huge. You see, if we keep reading, it'll appear on the screen below. But talking in verse 27, as this narrative continues, Peter, uh, the shadow heals people. They get thrown in jail. There's another jailbreak uh, for, for people who are watching Netflix reruns. It's like prison break, but just quicker and cooler. Didn't need two seasons to do it. Happened overnight. The angel came, set them free. They go out into the streets. They, again, they start preaching. The religious elite pull him in again. Again they've done it. Chapter 4, we saw they're doing it again. And they just keep on saying, no, we will, we, we're not going to fear man. And it gets to this point where the high priest questioned them, saying, we strictly charge you not to teach in this name. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Isn't that what was supposed to be an indictment of them? That was the greatest commendation. That you've filled Jerusalem, and you want to put Jesus' blood on us. Yep, that's the aim. This is what verse 29, Peter says this, but Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. We must fear God rather than men. Now, I love that because this, is this, this fear of God over men, it's not just writing a strongly worded email to somebody to complain. It's not writing an angry Facebook rant. No, 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 again, it's not out there. It starts in here. But I want to say this is the, the massive truth. Matthew 10 verse 28 says this, Jesus speaking, his words, not mine. He says this. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And he's not talking about the enemy. <laughs> he's talking about himself, God. Now, I love this thing that actually, to understand the fear, of, the fear of man and the fear of God, the fear of man is holding onto anything and thinking it's more important than Jesus. Your reputation your finances, your pride, your man's approval of you, holding on to that thing, think thing that's more important than Jesus. And that is actually the sin of Ananias and Sapphira. That word, they held something back, they kept something back for themselves and didn't bring it wholeheartedly, their hearts laid bare before Jesus, is that word, nospizo. I just love that word, nospizo. sounds like nosipo, but it's not. Nospizo. Holding something back. And I want to ask you the question, what are you holding back from Jesus today? What have you put aside and said, Jesus, you can't touch that. You can have it all, but you can't touch that. Wow. You see in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10 says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wow. Another translation says it's the beginning of true sight. You cannot see God unless you fear Him. The Bible says you cannot begin to know Him unless you fear Him. Now, I, when I say, again, I'm, I wish I could talk this word away. Fear, when it says the fear of the Lord, fear means fear. I, I, you know what? I would love to go and get the Hebrew and the Greek and uh, ten, get the tense out of it and tell, you know, it means reverence or not, not fear, fear, but, you know, a little bit less. And, and that's, yeah, you can do that if you want. But I oh, I can just give you examples of men in the Scriptures who saw God and how they responded. Wow. Isaiah saw the Lord, seated high on and, and, and the throne of the train of his robe, filled the temple. And Isaiah, the prophet, fell down as dead and said, Woe is me, for I have seen the Lord, and I have dwelt among a people with unclean lips. In the New Testament, John, on the island of Patmos, the, the, the disciple of love, the one who knew Jesus, who put his head on Jesus' chest, on, in the book of Revelation, he said, I saw the Lord and I fell down as dead, because I saw the one with eyes of fire. This is huge. The fear of the Lord needs to grip our hearts again. You see, and this is what happens. There's a story, the narrative. They say this, they have an, in, uh, an exchange of words and they, they don't know what to do with these guys. And eventually they have them flogged. The scriptures tell us they have them flogged and they order them never to speak of this name again. And I love what the response of the disciples, the apostles in this moment was there was no, they didn't leave going, we've been beaten, we've been whipped, uh, we need a protest. This is, this is injustice. They didn't have a hashtag. They needed to go trending. No, this is justice for the 12. No, they didn't need that. They didn't need their own hello Hello Peter complaints. No, I want to tell you how I was offended by that. No, they didn't do any of that. was No sulking. This is their response. A people who flip the script and say, sin is a big deal, but Jesus is a bigger deal. They said this in verse 41. They left rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. Flip the script from the fear of man to the fear of the Lord. If you want to be truly free, fear the Lord. It's the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of true sight. Because I want to say as I land, sin is such a big deal that Jesus became it and he died for it. Now before I rush on, as I was prepping to preach last night, I wept. I could not get past this point to say Jesus died for your sin. Your sin was put him, put him on the cross. My sin, put him on the cross. Jesus died. I want to say his blood shed on that cross is the only reason that the black filth of my sin, of your sin, can be washed away. Wow. Jesus is a bigger deal because sin and death could not hold him. Let me tell you this, that when he died, He died a death on our behalf. He became sin. But then the scripture tells us that he rose again from the dead. And for the first time in history, the first time in history of history, a man walked up to the gates of heaven he walks up as a man. On our behalf, he walked up to the gates of heaven. No man had dared approach those gates. No man had ever come close, but this man of glory walked up to the gates with his eyes ahead of him. And he said these words. He came to his closed gates that separated God and man because of our sin. He said this, lift up, you he- oh, you. lift up your heads, O oh, gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. And I want to tell you, behind those doors, all of heaven was in shock and silence. They did not know what to do until one angel I can imagine lifted his head and and yelled to his doors who is this man who dares approach these gates no man has come and laid his hand on the latch of this door no one's ever come anywhere close who is this king of glory he asked and I want to tell you the Lord the Messiah the Christ the Son of God the man for us cried out in that moment who is this king of glory the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. And I tell you, as those doors opened, everything that had been made in heaven and earth fell on their face. All hail the power of the name of Jesus. All hail the Lamb upon the throne. And let me tell you, he started to walk up those steps walking up resolutely to his father, climbing the steps of his throne, the the throne that makes Solomon's temple look like paper mache as he walked up step by step by step, and he sits down next to his father, and as he sits there as divine right, he says to his father, not as a question, but as an affirmation of what he had done, he said, Father, it is finished. And his father said this, my son, it is finished indeed. Let me tell you, the Jesus that you crucified, the Jesus that I crucified, God has made Him both Lord and Christ. He has given Him the name above every other name. That every name above every other name, every knee will bow before Him. Every tongue will confess His name. But I want to tell you, this is the invitation today. All who are thirsty, come and eat. Come and drink. Come and feast on Him. If you're hungry, come. Do not spend money on things that do not satisfy. Come and eat. I just want to land in this moment. Billy Graham, the great preacher, said this phrase. He said this, give me 100 men who fear nothing but God and sin, and we will turn the world upside down. Let me tell you, when I read the book of Acts, I see a group of men and women who are uneducated, who do not have any political clout, had no financial backing that we know of, had no earthly sense of power, but they had a fear of God and a fear of sin. And we learned that they flipped the script and turned the world upside down. Let me say today, today is a flip the script kind of day. Do not delay. Do not delay. Sin is a big deal. Bring it to him. Confess it. Delete it. Bring it to light. End that relationship. Do whatever you need to do, and allow His grace to flood your soul. Because I tell you, revival starts. Every revival starts with repentance and the fear of the Lord. I want to pray right now. As you lean into the camera, I believe this is a strong word, but a word that will set us free. The truth sets us free. The truth sets us free if we obey it today. Father, I pray right now for your church at home. In this this studio here, we respond to you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come and fall on the preaching of your word right now. Bring conviction of sin, and then bring conviction of our righteousness in you. I thank you, Father God, that we are dealing with the shadows of our sin. We're dealing with the shadows of our shame. We say they end here. We're not allowing them to creep with us. We're not allowing it to go on from this moment, this day. Valentine's Day 2021, the greatest love message is that your sin is a big deal. But Jesus is a bigger deal. Respond to it today. Respond to His love and allow your heart to be gripped, not with a fear of man, not with a fear of the world, not a fear of sickness, not a fear of suffering, not a fear of lack, but a fear of the Lord. If we have Him, we lack nothing. And He says, you can have me today. Come and eat. Come and feast on me. Father, right now I pray, if you are right now at home and you need to repent and give your heart to Jesus, why don't you put the prayer emoji? Why don't you come into the screen? But most importantly, why don't you open your heart right now? The Holy Spirit wants to come in our hearts. Today's a day of repentance and revival. Repentance and revival is the church of the living God says, We will serve you. It's better for us to obey God than men. I pray salvation to flow. I pray repentance to flow. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, would you fill your believers. I even pray signs and wonders in the hope right now. No one laying hands on the sick, but the shadow of your righteousness would heal believers now. Right now, your shadow falls, God. Your shadow of anointing falls and bodies are being raised. Sickness is being delivered. I thank you, God. Demonic oppression is going. Anxiety is going. Not based on our faith and our ability, but based on our repentance saying, it's you, God. It's you. We do not trust you. We hold nothing back letting everything go, saying it's you, Jesus. Why not right now in our home, why don't you start to begin to worship Him? Allow His presence to fill you afresh.